Hey there, welcome to People's Serve Show, episode 95. Uh, it's Are You Down with IGG? Yeah, you know me. Uh, we're here with my homies. Uh, Dylan Kirk is back in the hizzy. Hi. <laughs> I don't know what language he's speaking, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, back in France. Uh, Dylan has had a while off of uh, being on the show just because of our time change. But now we're changing to this time right now. We're changing to perfect. Thursday afternoons at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that equates to what in French time? Like 9 o'clock in French time and a little bit of cheese. Right, always cheese. Yes. And we have with us guests from around the world. So we really have quite an international cast of misfits. We have Sen is in, I'm in Canada. Dylan is en France, in France. We have our guests here. We have Nate Murray, uh, formerly, well, currently with IDW, transitioning over to Indiegogo. Nate, where, where are you, buddy? I'm in San Diego, California. And you'll be staying in San Diego, California, correct? I will be staying in San Diego, California while I'm at Indiegogo, yes. Good, okay. And we have our other guest, Sven. And I'm going to try this. I'm gonna, I will try. We'll see. Perfect. Now we'll get Sven to say it so that we don't sound like total weird. Uh, no, so Dylan did quite well. Dylan, always does, Dylan does everything quite well. D Dylan is Mr. <laughs> I am quite well. Uh, so Sven is uh, here with us from uh, Schmielsmiede, uh, which is a company in Germany. and It's an offshoot of another company, is it? That's right, yes. Yeah, of, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get ill into that. Yeah, sure. Uh, and he's in Germany, and that's about the same time as France, roughly? Yeah, exactly the same. That's okay. right. We're, we're all part of the new reconstituted Carolingian Empire. This is all, you know, <laughs> right. now, this has all been done before. That doesn't mean that you have the same time zones. That, come on. Charlemagne would have had the same time zone. Charlemagne's smart, though. Hey, well, it's... Yeah, time yes. are such a mess, but That's a necessary true. mess so that we can do business with our cross-country people. So let's chat. So we're here today on Meeple Syrup, and normally we talk a lot about game design and things like that. Um, but today we're talking really about business. Yeah, business. The business. Business. It's the business. What's, what's going to happen with Indiegogo versus Kickstarter, and then? What exactly does a company like Sven's, the company he works for as a project manager, what can they offer designers when we're talking about localization of product uh, to the EU specifically, uh, Germany? Um, so we'll get onto that. So Dylan, why don't you start with the questions and I'll control the camera. You go ahead. Well, well I, let's start with Sven. Let's actually go right into that. What do you, where is your niche? What is this, this niche that you're fulfilling, and, and how does it benefit game designers and, and game publishers? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the niche is uh, there for four years now. We are um, doing this for four years. Um, and what we do, we, we have our own platform. Uh, we offer the, a full service, full crowdfunding service. Uh, that means, I know you know, we all know Kickstarter. You go there, you have to do everything yourself. Um, with uh, Spiele Schmiede, um, you send us just some graphics. Um, we take care of all the project. We set up the whole landing page. Uh, we create a video. We do the marketing. Um, what Sen just uh, said, we are a part of 
Spiele Offensive, which is the biggest online shop here in Germany for board games. And um, yeah, so we do have uh, access to their newsletter, um, which has uh, currently, I think, 70,000 uh, customers um, so it's a big base for this newsletter uh, that we can use and um, yeah um, afterwards we also take care of the customer service of the shipping and everything and um, so yeah it's it's just really full service um, so nothing to do for our designers and we do the translation we have some translators at hand that work with us uh, for several years too now and um, afterwards yeah it's two different uh, possibilities. Either we buy the English games and we produce a kind of a translation kit. That means we just print the rules and maybe if there are some cards, uh, we print some cards and put them all together. Or, of course, um, the publishers co-produce the German language directly together with the original. Um, so these are the two possibilities. That's nice. that's really cool. Can I, can I just have hot pursuit on that for a little yeah, for, for sure. a second? Because basically, when I was back in Shanghai, a lot of the local board game companies were either getting fakes because only the fakes would have Chinese language localization, or they were putting their own Chinese language translations on games so that people would buy the actual originals. So that was an existing niche as, as it came in. But it's it's very interesting that clearly. Localization is tough, and there's something there's there's a huge market there for you. It is, yeah. So in these four years, we've done um, 119 projects so far. 106 of them have been successful, so um, over 90 percent wow. success rate. Um, yeah, and um, in these four years, it's 1.1 million of euros that we, um, yeah, crowdfunded. Um, and that, that's really neat because um i just got the stats from kickstarter like yesterday yeah. uh and it's like 34 <clears> percent. <throat> that's right that's the actual number yeah 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 it's probably so, going down every year yeah, yeah. And, and it's neat because what's happening that you're saying sven is that you guys are hitting a core demographic with the stuff they want as opposed to a wider market like Kickstarter, which is a very big entrepreneurial market. Yeah. Uh, and you're getting much better results um, in terms of success rate, maybe not monetarily at the same level of, you know, $114 million, if I, if I remember correctly. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, but uh, success breeds success and success will breed mm -hmm. money eventually, as opposed to what's happening on, in Kickstarter land. Now, when you do, um, so what you're telling me or you're telling us is that your service is actually its own crowdsourcing, crowdfunding thing, separate from yeah. Kickstarter. Completely separate. That's right. Oh, okay. And so when I looked at the site <coughs> and I saw other videos and links to other Kickstarter things, that was the original or the, the one that's running at the same time. Yeah. Also, also here we got many possibilities. So um, when people are running Kickstarters, we can run parallel. Uh, we can combine the, the crowdfunding sum. So um, for reaching stretch goals, uh, we can just um, say to the backers, okay, both campaigns work together. Uh, we've been doing so in the past for um, yeah, really successful campaigns, especially for example with Eagle Griffin Games uh, with their Lisboa and um, the the Vinyos right. Deluxe edition. Right. And, um, that makes sense. 
So Vidal's yeah. games, right? Yes, that totally. And, and when you have a look at their uh, Kickstarter pages, um, you'll see in, in the very beginning, uh, well, we have backers from all over the world and also from Spielerschmiede. And uh, so the, the backers, some in total is uh, higher than the one you see here on Kickstarter. Right. So oh. they are, they are they, directly telling you in the beginning. Yes, Dylan, that's, that's some data. That is some data. That's a lot of big data. But I, I'd like to say, I'd like to kind of plug in on that whole crowdfunding places other than Kickstarter that are looking to target board games specifically. And maybe move it over to Nate. Pivot. Tell us a little bit. A strong transition game. Hey, that's, a, that's yeah, what I'm here that's for. Nice. <laughs> Let's hear about your targeting of board games and who you're doing it for. Absolutely. So um, those of you out there that know my history, I've been at IDW Games for the last four years, uh, helping ramp that division up. And during that time, I've spent a lot of time researching crowdfunding. And I'm going to start saying crowdfunding because I have now joined Indiegogo. Oh, and look so, at you with the swag. That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. I didn't even I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Yeah. So I'll sit up higher in my chair now and adjust <laughs> that so you can all see it. But yeah. Um, yeah, recently I've been tapped to come on board to Indiegogo, and I'll be now managing the game's vertical. Um, so I'll be helping, you know, in, in, in helping creators get their campaign up and running, bring it on to Indiegogo. We actually have strategists that analyze things. We'll be recommending marketing. Um, I think that's the big difference in what drew me over is that uh, I've spent these last even before IDW, I actually run a few campaigns on my own um, under a pen name for some projects. And so I, I'm very familiar with the space. I've been consulting for other people, helping them with their first time projects. So I've done 20, 30 campaigns overall. And the big thing is um, there was never anyone to call at Kickstarter when something went sideways or when, you know, when you went into panic mode at 4 a.m. and thought the world was crashing down and the ability at Indiegogo of being someone you can call um, and talk to as a human to human relationship is really strong to me. Um, I like a few of the other things they do as averse to how Kickstarter does things. Um, they offer a much more robust platform as far as not just crowdfunding, but post campaign earnings, uh, straight pre-orders. There's just so many more ways to run your business through Indiegogo and it was really attractive. So uh, it was it was time to make a move, and it's definitely, um, you know, it would have been easy to stay at IDW because 2017 is going to be huge for IDW. And I love it, and the catalog I helped them build is going to explode this year. But I'm more of someone who likes a big challenge and likes to start from grounds, you know, start from scratch and and Theo Epstein something into the World Series. And so I think uh, Turtles was kind of a World Series win at IDW, and it's time to walk over and and take, take a new team. So that's Good. that's what I'm planning on doing. Good, okay, so I have a question from the audience. So uh, John Meitling asks, uh, is there an approval process or an application process uh, for your company, Sven? Also for Indiegogo, mm -hmm. do they vet any of the incoming projects? So we'll start with Sven. Yeah, um, so the 90% success rate um, uh, speaks for uh, being very picky. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, there is an approval process. Um, it, it's hard for um, self-publishers um, to get onto our um, page, onto Spielerschmiede, uh, because it's just uh, they, they would have to run the whole production uh, themselves afterwards. Um, so we rather go... 
with uh, companies that are um, yeah established, uh, but we also offer the service um, for uh, self publishers um, if they have a good um, yeah a good plan uh, and strategy behind everything um, to get the production ready um, and settled. Um, yeah, so yes, there is an approval process. Okay, and and to submit to you, they would go through your website then. You think? Uh, yeah, sure. Either through our website, uh, we often get um, yeah interesting projects from uh, people of our uh, forum. So we we do have a big forum uh, for the gamers here in Germany. Um, so they they sometimes suggest projects they've seen on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or yeah. anywhere else. All right, and, that's actually and, how we got in touch. Is yeah, yeah, exactly. Said, hey, exactly. That's right. I'll try. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's how we got in touch. So um, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, talking to uh, publishers uh, lots of times. Um, that's why I travel to GenCon, for example, um, to to just find new contacts and new possibilities for projects um, on our um, page. Very interesting. Yeah. And Nate, how about you? Uh, what do you think Indiegogo is going to do, or what will Indiegogo do about uh, since you have some control over that now about uh, game vetting or vetting of the product? Well, I, I'd encourage people before they go live to get in touch with me and I can help them out at that point. Um, that's probably the easiest way to vet and make sure your campaign's set up. Uh, once it is live, I'll obviously be checking in on things. And we also have a campaign strategist uh, who I spoke with yesterday, John Treganis, who once you hit about 30%, he'll come in and vet your campaign and make sure it's going off for success. Um, as far as I, I know, people are asking a lot of times about um, thinking that you know, projects are vetted for quality or, or uh, honesty on certain platforms. They're, they're, that was an old standard years ago. And I mean, if you want to throw up almost anything now, you can on either platform, Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Once it's live, then both Kickstarter and Indiegogo will swoop in and make sure everything's on the up and up. But if people are thinking that one platform is more honest than the other, I can promise you I could throw up something on either for whatever product I wanted within the hour. Yeah, okay. Good point. Good point. Um, yeah, that's 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 old old hat rumors, you know, twenty ten stuff. <laughs> I mean, in, in in our platform, it's obviously uh, also something special because we talk to a German audience, and most of the foreign publishers obviously don't speak any German. Um, so, yeah, we we do have to um, take care of everything um, in in this case. And and what was I kind of want to know, Sven, from your side, what what was the decision that made you go with the architecture you're using? Is it because you had the existing infrastructure there, or did you really just want to make something that you had control over? Um, that would be something to ask my boss, uh, because I just joined uh, two years ago, and as I said, the platform is running for four years now. Okay. Uh, but but I think they they. Um, idea and wanted to make up uh, something that is uh, easy usable uh, for for the uh, backers um, and for us in the in the back end and, uh, and service as well um, and I think that it fits really good so um, we do have um, a nice neat looking page uh, where you have everything um, close together um, the, the pictures the text and everything so um, yeah I think they did a good job and um, I was glad to jump onto this uh, position to be the project manager here. Right. And I mean, and, and the other thing is that 
your company is not just the crowdsource or crowdfunding. It's also an online store. So while right. they're there looking at online stores, I'm mean, sorry, online uh, like crowdfunding stuff, they can also, oh, I also need, you know, card sleeves and I need to order that game. So yeah, sure. it makes sense to drive traffic to one place. Nate, uh, we have some other questions. Stephen Sauer, one of our hey. friends from, uh, well, you know Stephen too, right? I know that guy. One of our good buddies too from the Toronto area. Yeah, too sweet to be Stephen Sauer. Uh, he is asking, I've heard that Indiegogo has flexible funding, unlike Kickstarter, <clears throat> and he'd like to know how exactly that works. Yeah, absolutely. So flexible funding means, you know, whenever you launch a crowdfunding project, you're going to set your goal of $10,000 or $50,000, depending on the scope of your project. If you do flexible funding, that means even if you fall short of your goal, Indiegogo is going to send you the funds. So it's a good tool. Um, I would say if you're going to use that, let's talk about it first and make sure that, you know, you're going to meet a minimum viable product with funds raised. Um, you don't want to get yourself in a situation where 10,000 was truly what you needed to go to press. And now, you know, you took the five because you felt it was better than nothing, but did you secure a bridge loan to make against that five? Maybe that would be okay. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's a great tool, but I definitely would encourage people use it not just as, Oh good, no matter what I'll make money, but as okay, this is the start of a business and a proof of concept that I can now take and go spin to a different business that will show that I have some interest and it will help me move my business down the line. So again, it's something let's talk about. Um, if you're looking at doing it, it's a great tool. The Dice Tower is using it right now. They're live on Indie and they ran a, a flexible campaign of 200K. I think, I mean, they're going to fund their 195 right now, but for them, flexible funding made total sense because... Oh, yeah you know, mo most of their pledge tiers are donations from publishers. And so they don't have hard costs where I wouldn't use flexible funding is if I was doing a, a miniatures based game where I had, you know, 40,000 in tooling costing and I only made 10. Yeah. That would By the be way, somewhere 40,000 in tooling costing is not, uh, that's not a bad estimate. No, it's not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's not even, uh, uh, it's not could be nice, could be optimistic in some projects. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it, it depends on the project, but it's a very useful tool. And again, it just shows the kind of the breadth of Indiegogo's offerings versus what else is out there. Excellent. Thanks. So we're, we're kind of talking about two completely different philosophies of, of kind of where you're getting your market from. We've got an extremely, extremely targeted market and basically shotgun over on the other yeah. side. But to, to, to a degree, I mean, like clearly in Germany, there's an enormous market. Everyone knows that, like there's, there just is. But on, on the side of Indiegogo, how do you differentiate yourself now from the other shotgun, the other big shotgun in the room, Kickstarter? Where's the, where's the big differentiation? Well, I, Again, I think it's in the way we deliver service. I think Kickstarter very much uh, expects you to handle having just so. I mean, if we use turtles as an example of why I ended up with bronchitis and sinusitis in the last few weeks and in urgent care, and it's because of the stress of managing, uh, you know, from inception to seriously delivering packages at someone's door all alone. Um, a, a full crowdfunding project. And, and the problem with Kickstarter is they literally, all they do is they're going to flip a switch and they're going to take 10%. Thank you very much. Not going to answer calls, not going to say anything other than not going to delete a backer when they go toxic. 
not going to do anything other than that. Whereas, and that exhausted me. And there was, there's no way in the modern world to run a successful campaign alone with the Excel data you get from them at the end of a project. There's just not. So you have to bring in a pledge manager for po post campaign shipping charges and post campaign backers. Then you have to bring in several fulfillers to ship around the globe. That's a lot to manage and it can be very stressful on someone. And again, having no one to reach out to and say, hey, and no sanity checks, nothing like that, that hurts. So the opportunity with Indiegogo is that A, it should eliminate the need for a pledge manager, which saves you money because it has the in-demand service. So you flow straight from your campaign into in-demand, which is captures post-campaign dollars, keeps everyone in the same place. You don't get, I had to deal with, emails to people why didn't I get my invite oh it comes from another service not from Kickstarter come look out for an email from this company and it you know you just have to nudge them and nudge them and nudge them it keeping it all in-house is a huge uh, benefit to your backers and it's a huge benefit to creators so having that in demand is amazing and then another thing is Indiegogo is pretty aggressive with going after partnerships like what they did with the Hasbro gaming lab what right. they're doing on tech side with uh, several with Maytag and all these huge, you know, GE, they cut deals with big companies that, you know, are really interesting and really beneficial to the creators mostly and to consumers. So I'll be looking to cut deals with distributors. I'll be looking to cut deals with Sven for sure for localization. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm coming on board not just to help creators, but to help widen this service completely so that you don't feel alone. Um, one of the campaigns I consulted with, uh, funnily enough, they they were um, at funding and I'd been kind of coaching them through and telling them it's okay and every day they were waking up freaked out and backers were, it was a plastics campaign so backers can be very opinionated on what they want. And they free, they were on they were in panic mode, panic mode and they had all their money and they were okay but they were just barely okay and they had 10 days left and five of those days I was gonna spend in Cabo off the grid. So I took a vacation for five days. I come back and these kids had canceled their campaign because they had no one to talk to for five days. And there was no one at Kickstarter who was going to save them. And I was off the grid. And so they just canceled and ran. They just got squirrely. And, you know, had they been with Indy, someone would have been able to help in that time. And I think that's, I, I know every morning during my campaigns, I would wake up, check the comments, rejuggle my stretch goals, freak out, you know, Oh, yeah. pop a couple of Valium and try and decide how <laughs> to keep things going for the day. And it's just, you know, and then picking all my fulfillers. I did that blind. I did that based off reading, you know, just reviews on the web, but they'll be able to, you know, I'll be able to loop them in with other creators. If you come on board, I can loop you with other creators. I can tell you what my experiences, what fulfillers were super prompt and amazing. What might have, what fulfillers got me in hot water because they didn't move as fast. So all of this knowledge were, a very, you know, a, a deep well of knowledge that creators can call in and tap and have on their side. And I think that's really important and special. It is. Um, so uh, Sven, let's hear from you. What uh, what are you guys doing at uh, Spiele uh, Schmeide? Schmeide, Schmeide. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard Spiele to pronounce Schmiede. the four <laughs> Again, um, Dylan done well. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little let Dylan say it. In terms of um, all the stuff that Nate's talking about for yeah. uh, customer service, for backer service, for communication, are you all integrated? Because it's a, you know it's smaller. 
so it could be integrated is that how it's working for you guys sure um yeah it, it's um the customer service is all in our hands um because we are german speaking on a german speaking platform um that's just the the nature of it um so what, what we do is really from the beginning from from setting up the whole campaign um this is in our hands as well as afterwards the customer service um, and the shipping i mean we, we are a big online shop we do um that, that's our daily business sending um packages out so uh, we also do have fulfillment and uh, do also offer a fulfillment service for um people who went to the the shotguns uh, as dylan said uh, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we have to talk a little bit later on nate so um we'll, we'll definitely have to um but other than that yeah um as i said we do have a forum uh, we do have commentaries and, and news of course in the project as well uh which we keep updated um yeah every once a week or twice a week or uh depending on how they reach stretch goals and everything um and um yeah additionally to what uh, indiegogo and what nate's been talking about um we also in some cases do produce um the game material the the rule book and the german cards so um we really um, have tons to do so um it was a long time ago a few months ago it was a one-man show um i have a new colleague for um six months now so um We've been working together uh, for quite some time. Um, before that, obviously, when, when someone wrote and I was on holidays, um, there would have been nobody to help. Um, but now we, we are two people, and um, somebody will be here um, in case you've got questions. Um, so yeah. So are you, just going going back to Sven here, are you working with kind of the same fulfillers, the set, all your, you're in control of your, your channels completely and it's been that way from the beginning or are you diversified? We are the fulfiller. <laughs> you are everything, you are 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, 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 that is it. Um, we, we do the shipping uh, to, to all our customers ourselves um, because we, we are an online shop. We do everyday shipping um, up to, uh, I think, a thousand packages uh, a day. Um, although we, we are quite a small company. So in total, with all the customer service and everything, we are um, around 20 people. Um, so um, it started 15 years ago, Spieler Offensive, um, as a, a small company with, uh, uh, with my two bosses um, who are still on board. And uh, yeah, it kind of developed. And uh, so um, Spieler Offensive is not the only online shop. We also have um, online shop for um, uh, puzzles, um, jigsaw puzzles, um, wooden train sets, and uh, I don't know. It's six different online shops and uh, the Spieler Schmiede, which is the next uh, part of the company. And uh, we are trying to get a feed on the, on the publisher market. So um, we do have a publisher brand, uh, which we established last summer. Um, yeah, so we do everything. <laughs> Good stuff. That's Good great. stuff. Um, and so you guys are, that's like German efficiency right there, right? You can take it all. I know we are famous for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, Nate, we got some really good questions from John uh, out there in viewer land. So thanks, John, for asking these wonderful questions. He asks, um, 
for Indiegogo, what does the community look like right now? Uh, Kickstarter's community is very robust and very vibrant and very vocal, as we all yep. know. Uh, does IGG Indiegogo have one? Is it growing? What's it like? It's people? much quieter, and that's something um, I plan on focusing on. That's that's a big thing I noticed that even the while the dollars are definitely on Kickstarter side, the comments are crazily on Kickstarter side where people are in those comment threads, you know, and you can have 10, 20,000 comments on a campaign where I think Indies, you know, in looking at it, even with several million dollars for campaigns, there might be only a thousand comments. So I, to me, people treat Kickstarter like a hobby. They go there, they hang out, they know people. Um, and I'll, I'll be working on fostering the community at Indiegogo. That said, I'm going to hope to foster it a little differently. I do think um, there's certain you know, practices of commenting that I, I don't appreciate on, on Kickstarter at the moment. And so I'm going to try and foster a very positive community on Indie, kind of take it back to roots a little bit, especially this first year while I'm there, get back to let's actually help these people like get their dream accomplished, not let's demand more plastic and, and, you know, get a little, little more, um, bullying so we're going to make sure and foster a real positive new community so again that was the the point of making this jump was that this is really even though they've been around for years it's really this is going to be the breakout year to really start focusing on gaming it's a big company focus and we're going to try and do something really special and i think they've done that with some really innovative things but this will be the year where we go after a lot of partnerships and uh, community is one of the things i'll be focused on good land Sorry, I was all involved in the commenting over on the other side. Let's let's follow up with more of John's wonderful questions. Uh, I wanted to to do the one that we can split between both Sven and Nate here. It's the yeah, um, sure. that uh, he uh, let me just quote it directly. A concern for many when looking at crowdfunding a lot becoming becoming a pre-order system for larger companies rather than funding a creator's dream. Mm -hmm. So let's let's start with Sven and see to what degree do you see your service kind of tapping the big publishers and, and the pre-order system from Kickstarter uh, rather than people's building people's dreams. Yeah, sure. I mean, of course, we heard that concern before. Um, and of course, it's partly true. Um, obviously, big publisher companies like the one I mentioned before, Eagle Griffin, um, could do it by themselves. But it's just, um, so for, for publishing companies, it, might be maybe more like like a marketing tool mm -hmm. uh, to use. You you can uh, see how many people how how people will get involved in the game and how they do like it. Or maybe you can even um, to get your game better um, and and uh, improve it during to, throughout the campaign. Um, but in in case of Spieleschmiede, uh, we also do have a lot of small publishers um, publishing their first game um, and. Yeah, which which they would have never done uh, themselves um, on the German market. Um, we have small Italian, French, uh, American publishers um, who, yeah, would have printed I don't know maybe five hundred copies of their game in their own language, and uh, with the help of our service, um, they could add an, another five hundred, uh, maybe in a multilingual print run or in a, in a German only print run afterwards. Um, so. Yeah, we, we know that concern. We know that uh, it's been around for a while. Um, and we cannot deny it, but um, we we also open our doors to small publishers um, who really uh, are in need of, of such a service. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and let's shift that over to Nate as well and also tack on, are you looking to change that? You're talking about going back to basics. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, having been on the inside and, and used Kickstarter more as a marketing exercise, um, big companies are definitely doing it as a pre-order and pre-marketing campaign. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think um, it, you know, there's a couple arguments on why people don't like it. Uh, they think it robs the friendly local game shops. And having spent years and years and years in this, I can show you that the data shows that's not true. Um, it, in fact, what it does is provide a game shop with a month of marketing, a landing page that answers questions, and an educational platform. And it actually pulls more people into game shops by having a campaign. The problem is when the balance of value using a direct-to-consumer model through a crowdfunding campaign is too high for the friendly game shops to ever compete. So when they give you, you know, when, when they're delivering these projects like uh, a lot of, you know, just so much plastic that they'll never be able to hit a retail price, that, that's kind of an issue. Can you not hear me, son? No, no, no. It's my kids. I'm telling okay, them I'm on air. All right. Very good. Uh, I so need that, an on-air sign. <laughs> absolutely. That's, oh, that would be amazing. That'd be awesome so, on-air. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I mean, it's valuable, and I can say in the in the study of turtles, it was valuable to know what characters fans wanted to see, and we were off the mark some, and the fans were very vocal, and we were able to pivot and add some new characters. Um, that said, one of my initiatives at Indiegogo is to make sure to go back to not you know having our front page overloaded with only huge companies to make sure we highlight you know those 50k programs and launch people. So I'm trying to pick. Personally, one campaign a month that you know I'm trying to raise and start and make it viral and break out. Not a big company, but one campaign a month that I put some time into and really make it special. I have my March campaign. It's going to be hilarious, um, and I'm really proud of it. It's a smaller company that really needs the exposure. It's one of their first games, and so I'm you know, and I'll work hand in hand to launch that with them. Um, I think a good example is you know of small people to look check in on is Sen. You sent me a link to your buddy who just launched Trash Pandas on yeah, Indiegogo. Yeah, yeah. He's, Michael, only got a, he's listening right now. Yeah, so he's only got a $2,000 campaign, but I probably hit him up two, three times just to make sure, hey, you good? Uh, I mean, tell me anyone on the other side is going to do that, right? So I, I am definitely very indie-focused. Um, one of my other initiatives I'm looking at putting together right now is for the in-demand store, which is the post-campaign funding. Right. And I've been going out and reaching out to good friends in the industry that, you know, are smaller. I'm trying to you know, curate, essentially, a small shop of crowdfunded games from friends, you know. Um, I'm going to reach out to the Capels. I reached out to um, a couple of people I can't mention, but I'm um, talking with Patrick at Crash. Just friends who put out quality product. And it's, hey, can we launch a suite that puts real good attention and puts some marketing dollars behind some crowdfunded games that, aren't huge by any means, but are really special, really quality products and something you'd want in your collection. So focusing on things like that, that's that's very important to me. I mean, that's I'm a creator at heart. I've, I've been a cold-blooded business guy, and I remain that, but part of me really likes the, the small guy and wants to help him out. ABC, buddy. ABC. That's right. I'm, yeah, Nate I'm, knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I'm messing uh, with a set of steak knives over here. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Exactly. You need those steak knives. Um, and I am drinking coffee. Always be drinking coffee. It's closers. Uh, I have a couple questions. There's a bunch of other questions, but here's some feedback, Nate. Um, 
So Richard Miles has some feedback for Indiegogo. So he says Thanks. there's two things Indiegogo is doing wrong. Just Perfect. two. Okay, I'm pulling up my notes. That's all. That's all. Everything else? I've got it. I've got. I'm making a list. So I love this stuff. Thank you. Get your get your pen out, buddy. Uh, So the first is that uh, external links open in the same tab, so it takes the user away from the campaign page. Uh, His suggestion is that external links should open in a new tab, so the campaign page always is front and center. Hundred percent. So target equals uh, quote underscore blank. Close quote. Uh, so that should be the standard, he says. The other problem that he has is that the pledge tiers have the price plus shipping, if shipping should be charged, baked in. So the tier ends up reading, you know, dollar value plus shipping. Uh, so it gets to be very difficult to kind of compute. If if shipping's free, then what does this mean? But if shipping costs in the EU versus the you know Americas, then what's that going to be? Um, so it's uh it's difficult for the the creator to remember to call out that oh shipping's free here and there but not here and there so just just something okay. about how it automatically defaults okay. you know you know like when you when you put in a phone number in some systems and it automatically gives you the dash marks or the spaces between like the third and fourth digit or whatever right. Yeah, something with Indiegogo's numerical system with uh, or monetization okay. in the uh, shipping thing is just automatically defaulting to plus shipping if shipping is charged. And so okay. it, it leaves it up to the um, right. creator to to verbatim write, oh, no shipping in, in each tier level that no shipping applies. So Yeah, and, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I see how that's going because I got confused. I backed uh, I backed a campaign today and it said plus shipping. And then when I went through, it said shipping in US is free. So that's exactly, I was expecting, oh, what's the shipping charge? So my shoulders were hackled, what's the shipping charge? And then I was like, oh, it's free. So you're right. Yeah. That's a great note. And anybody who has more stuff like that, I mean, I found one today where I was tabbing my address and I type my name and I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a tabber. So I tab over and I expect to be entering my address next, and all of a sudden it went to country. No other site in the world does it in the order that the tab would go through. So I'm rolling up notes, send them to Nate C. Murray at Twitter, and and let's get the UI working so we all love it. Yeah, so please, so thanks please, a lot, please man. Nate. I appreciate that. By the way, um, you guys haven't worked with Nate. I've worked with Nate for the past two years, Nate, three years now? Long time. Anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. enough to know that Nate is uh, a doer. So he will listen to your feedback, he will take your feedback, and he will do something about it. Uh, so if you have any feedback as a backer, as a creator yeah. um, about Indiegogo and you want it made better, Nate's totally. your man. Give him a yeah. shout. He may not be able to make it happen today, right? but it, it'll go somewhere in the queue of things he needs to fix and it'll eventually get fixed. Uh, Nate yeah. will get that done. <laughs> I have full confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, Dylan, what's your question, bud? I, I was going to come back to Sven actually a little bit because, you know, we are designers discussing designs and designers want to sell stuff. And clearly you've got a good record with picking stuff to sell. <laughs> Why don't we have a little discussion about what are your criteria? How do you how do you pick stuff? How do you make these these cooperate these cooperations between you and the designers and publishers? Uh, really, most of the time, it's kind of a gut feeling. <laughs> um, it just when I am at, at game fairs, um, I, I walk by a, a nice booth, um, see the game, and, and talk to the publishers. Um, 
yeah that's that's one criteria the gut feeling um i mean we we know our uh, backers so um uh, if most of the project that uh, projects that failed actually uh, were deck building games um so uh, we we don't yeah take take a turn on, on deck building games in the next few months maybe maybe it will change you never know but um for the next few months there won't be a deck building game at spielschmiede for example um and other than that um because we are doing the localization stuff um too um we are mostly looking for games with not that much language dependent uh, material um so if you've got yeah i mean <laughs> obviously um because the um, the translation kit of course, costs extra money, um, and so we, we are looking for for games where we can only do the the uh, rule book, um, maybe a deck of 10, 20 cards, and that's it. Uh, we've done other projects too, so really big ones. Alien Frontiers, the big box, uh, for example, uh, where we uh, done the the translation kit as well, uh, which obviously it did cost um, a lot of extra money for the backers, but they appreciated it. And um, but but that's I, I would say uh, that's the main criteria. So um, gut feeling, not too much language dependent stuff, um, and um, yeah, no deck builders. <laughs> yeah, apparently no deck builders. It's really interesting that you say what you're saying because that's that's the general consensus that we get from publishers as well. It's like I don't know, but I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> does yeah. that sound familiar? Um, that yeah, a hundred percent. Like, why? Because it came out of your mouth many, many times, buddy. Uh, <laughs> that's that sounds familiar. Um, the other thing is that what you're saying, uh, Sven, is really cool because I, I, I don't know. You guys probably can't tell how old I am, but I'm from the day when I would order games that were totally in German, and they'd come with a printed like piece of paper that had yes. the English rules and a bunch of stickers. And I would have totally. to, I'd have to paste up my cards, and it sounds like you're doing it in reverse now. So it's a really interesting transition from you know the you know the Eurocentric uh, '90s to you know two decades later, and the people in Germany are saying, "No, we want this stuff from America now." That's kind of cool. It's a really neat way of looking at it. Uh, John is um, is smoking <laughs> with questions. <laughs> this is really good. Uh, so he says. <coughs> Kickstarter is not designed for complex products or collections of rewards such as add-on. Uh, does Indiegogo offer more tools to manage this customer data? Uh, and this is one for obviously Nate. Nate, I know that you were talking to me before about tool suites that Indiegogo was building specifically because you requested yeah. them. Can you let us in on any of that kind of stuff that will help us as creators and publishers? Yeah, I almost feel like John works for Indiegogo at this point. This is such a good question. <laughs> um, John, this if you is... want a job, call Nate. <laughs> I love Maybe, you, John. Right? Um, this is one of the main things that that really was like the tipper to go, okay, I'm, I'm in with Indiegogo. And what John's talking about is as a creator, when you offer that page and you go, okay, I want my base game and then I have these three expansions and I want to add some dice and I want to add whatever. Well, your customer just is tallying that up in their head and kind of throwing that amount of money at you. And then when you export your data, you just have these numbers of all these different pledge monies of you know $400 and $575 and $700. And it's kind of up to you and you only get one chance to send that dang survey and ask them what it is they asked for. And then you're left with all these permutations that are crazy and you have to spend so many hours figuring out 
and communicating with the backers exactly what they got. And so what Indiegogo built is the ability to just go through the campaign a couple of times and pick out what you want. So if you're on the dice tower right now and you want perk A and perk B, just run through perk A and then run through perk B and it's in you'll see in your contributions I bought perk A, I bought perk B. Like and it's moving towards a full shopping cart system where you'll just be allocating your dollars against the different tiers and everyone will benefit so much. You won't have to worry, you won't have to fill out several surveys. The creator won't have the incredible headache of sending you endless emails and end up in your spam and you don't see them and they're sitting on your product for six extra months and then neither of you have had a good experience with each other. Um, and even having a pledge manager, which mitigates this problem some, but again is an extra cost to you, it's not enough because the pledge manager still has to build every permutation. I worked with uh, Adam at KickTrack for pledge managing and great guy, but even he was going, man, I can't figure out every single one of these different dollars. And sometimes they do the math wrong. The backers do. And that's on, you know, that's not on their fault. I, when I offer you 20 different things to buy and you, you're forced to add them up on your own because there's not the, the service for you to do so, that's not your fault backer that you were off by 15 bucks one way or the other. But it's, again, it creates a bad experience, a bad taste for both of us because something got delayed, too many emails went back and forth, where again, Indiegogo now, just boom, you want to go Dice Tower, you want to talk with Sam and Z and you want Perk Pack B because it has the coup card, new coup card, what's up? That's amazing, yeah. I'm stoked. Uh, everyone, oh, if you know well, me, so you know coup is my do game. Not, do not play coup with Nate. Or well, coup isn't for money. Don't play poker with me. It's probably don't, no, don't play poker with them at all. <laughs> yeah, that's probably I'm, just, I'm saying if you want to have a fun time, don't play coup with me. <laughs> oh, no. I no, I, I I make it fun. But I, I, I it's my favorite game. And there's a new coup card on the dice tower yeah, thing, so I'm excited about that. But but yeah, you can just run through the campaign a few times and and grab your different perks, and it'll all be nicely organized. I think it's a huge, relaxing thing for the backer. They don't have to worry about whether they get it right, and for the creator, they're not sitting there doing algebra trying to guess what you got it, and having you know that's seriously that's a big that, that's legit you know, algebra that's quite funny it's, yeah dylan i want to ask uh, you a question i want to ask I, you a i was i was going to ask a question too but you go go ahead go ahead no my question to you was uh would be doesn't this sound like a fun and interesting thesis project <laughs> yes exactly i was just because i was just thinking like i want to know what kind of data you guys are generating at the end of each campaign and how are you using it? Because I'll just tell you, like, I have very interesting and varied days at work. Some are good okay. and some are bad. Yeah. The good days are when I'm sitting alone in my office with a cup of coffee, hacking SQL and slicing <laughs> numbers apart. Yes. And I love doing that stuff. There's billions of billions of points of data that you guys are generating on every single campaign your hits when the hits are coming like when are people seeing the campaign during the day all that kind of wonderful stuff how are you using this data and how are you using it in each of your cases to improve campaigns so we'll start with Nate and maybe move over to Swen sure um, I you know having done this long enough I think I'm pulling data from several sources when I'm running campaigns and looking at new campaigns and that's not just the crowdfunding engine I use which will give me uh, you know typically a, a trend of when dollars came in days countries all these kinds of things but I'm also looking at my Google AdWords and what was successful uh, my Facebook ads all, all the different 
incoming pathways that I've spent money on. And so I'm evaluating all my advertising partners every time and moving forward, deciding where to allocate dollars in the next campaign. Again, uh, you know, my focus is getting dollars in on the campaign time. So that's what I'm looking at is, you know, what if I spent that dollar, how much money came back to me? You know, did I, I you know, there are, I would say I've done, you know, $3,000 ad buys that made $50 and I've done $100 ad buys that made five grand. So knowing that and, and moving forward with that stuff, that's what's most important to me on as a front end, bring in all the money kind of guy. So we'll move that question over to Sven. What kind of numbers are you generating and how are you using them? Not much to add to what Nate just said. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that's basic work. Um, so you, you get the data and you try to improve uh, your future campaigns. Um, and yeah, so really nothing to add. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what has worked for you? If, there, if you can name one specific thing, what has worked, Sven? Uh, that's, uh, well, don't know. Uh, just our reputation. Um, is, is working for itself. So uh, we do have a lot of Facebook uh, followers and uh, newsletter customers. And so our, I think our newsletter is probably our best marketing tool, uh, but also the mouth-to-mouth um, -mouth, uh, marketing aspect um, that people are talking about Spielerschmiede and um, getting new backers to new projects. Yeah, mouth-to-mouth, that's awesome. Most of us, that's how we resuscitate people in Canada. I don't. I'm not sure what you guys do in Germany. Uh, but we're, well, we're beer, yeah. beard to beard communication. Beard yeah. to beard communication is very important. Oh, but, God. but Sven, basically, it sounds like you've got a captive audience. So, to what degree is this a question of okay, you've got a pool of pretty dedicated customers? What's the the input? What are the how many customers are leaving, and how are you keeping them within that pool of dedicated customers? How many of these people are repeat customers, and how long do they stay with you? What kind of data have you got on that? Um, that's data that my boss is uh, collecting and uh, working with. Um, I, I'm in the front end, and uh, um, yeah, on, on the front line. Um, creating the, the campaigns and stuff. Um, so I, I don't do that much statistics, um, but um, I, I know that we have had um, in these past four years again, um, nearly 7,000 backers um, on, on our 120 projects so far. Um, um, and also we have some backers, like a handful, uh, which have backed um, every single project. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, they are some, some crazy guys. Numerically, numerically, you don't have a ton of backers, but your, no, that's income, not a lot. your per, per backer income is ridiculous. Yeah. That expenditure and, and the success rate of 90%. So you have some really committed, captive people who are. We do. And we are happy for that. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt. Shows, shows to your reputation. That's awesome. You're, you're the living long tail. It's amazing. Yeah, totally. The living long tail. Uh, Nate, I wanted to ask you about um, all the other fadaddly weird things that are hooked up to running a campaign. Is Indiegogo trying to do away with some of the things like KickTrack, like uh, you know your pledge kit back or whatever? doodads that everybody seems to have to get different ones and right. they all look different they all work different and exactly. they're actually this weird third party yep. niche niche company that exists only for that thing it's yeah like that's exactly one of the one of the pain points we're trying to solve is getting rid of you having to use a pledge manager and i mean 
think of that like it's expected you're gonna have to go spend money with another partner and use that partner just to make Kickstarter even work, just to make that data serviceable. It's expected you're gonna have to use another partner. Like that's that's just the norm. Like I'm gonna have to give up another three to five points, another couple grand to another partner just to make this even somewhat cohesive data. So that's that's definitely Which something. Which all comes out of the end user's pocket, right? That's the coming out. Well, it's coming out. Of, well, I'm jacking the price of my end user. Yeah, yeah, it's coming yeah, out of my me right. as a creator's pocket. Absolutely. So let's get rid of that partner. As far as KickTrack, no, I actually want people to start tracking Indiegogo. So IndieTrack, let's set that up. KickTrack's just a place to get news um, and read about campaigns. Uh, as far as their pledge management side of things, yeah, again, maybe getting rid of that portion of things by keeping it all in-house. And again, it's a better, at the end of the day, it's all for the user. And it's better to keep the user in one site than frustrate them and have them have to go get a new password at a new site and get updates from two different spots, or I didn't get this update, and it's it's just leaving them at the end of the day out in the cold somewhat when maybe they're in a country that can't use the pledge manager you chose. So that's ah, definitely a that's big... I've never seen that. Yeah. You know, being, so, being in North America, we get everything. Right. Yeah, I, I don't there, There's so many country rules, but that's definitely a big thing, again. And then the late backers, you're going to need late backers, and the in-demand is so cool for just finishing your campaign out, and then, okay, pick up late money, so... It, let's keep it all in one place for a better user experience. Keep it without you having to go to a new shopping cart. You know, the way it works now is I threw my $640 in and then I go spend it later when a pledge manager pops up somewhere. And that's when I actually get to have that experience of picking my items. Right. Well, that's not as fun. You know, let's just pick the items while I'm buying. It's it's a much better thing. So that's that. But yeah, as far as the, the news, I hope to see Indiegogo getting more coverage and I'll be working on that to make sure that I've actually reached out to Adam about seeing if he wants to cover Indie a little more as we, as we grow and pick things up, you know, Adam at kick track. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one who runs that site, which is a cool, yeah. it's a real cool. I mean, that's my daily news. I check there and see what campaigns are up, but I want to get, you know, let's get Indiegogo. If you need some data from me to do so, if he's interested, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's he's going to be soon. That's what everybody's we... saying on the feed is that they don't browse Kickstarter through Kickstarter. They use KickTrack. There you go. Yeah, yeah. see? So that's a, and I brought this up to Andy, so I'm, I'm, I'll take this data back to them and say, look, it's validated that everybody, that's our morning news. That's our morning fun. We just yeah, there, go and look. And... Six people, six people on the feed right now just saying, yeah, that's what we do. Yep. Yeah. You wake up, you say, oh, what launched? Oh, okay, cool. Yep. So, you know, is there something equivalent we can do for an easy browser site that captures news and all that? So yeah, there's um, a couple other suggestions here that I'll tell you in a second. So Dylan, fire, fire them all to me. I have a hard out at one because I have to jump on a marketing call for a campaign. Sure. And again, just showing Indie, that's, that's what we do. We're actually looking at helping this campaign right now. So right. Go ahead, Dylan, ask your question. I, just, I wanted to jump on, on Sven to just kind of elucidate further on kind of the additional services that you had, because like we're talking about uh, a universe in which now Kickstarter and Indiegogo are established business models, basically. You add on to that. And so how do you add on to that? Yeah, sure. Um, we add on to that with um, a fulfillment service that we also offer. As I said, as an online shop, that's our daily business, uh, sending packages out to customers. And um, so we, we have a lot of um, Kickstarters and not yet any Go-Go's, but maybe that might come. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think they will. <laughs> But uh, we got a lot of Kickstarter projects uh, that we fulfilled, um, and we—I I know we do have uh, very competitive prices uh, for whole Europe. Um, so, especially for American uh, publishers, uh, this might be really interesting 
um, to yeah, have a look at our um, prices and uh, services that we offer here. Um, so we've just a, done... Just a, a side note to that. Because you guys are an online store, would you also buy some stock? Um, yeah, of course, uh, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. After after nearly every campaign, uh, we buy uh, like uh, at least 10, 20 games more that we sell through our online shop. And um, you can also use us as a European warehouse. Um, so if you want to store uh, your games here, um, that, that's no problem. We got a, a cool back end for publishers where they can uh, yeah, see in, in live data um, how many games they got in our warehouse and um, they just tell us well please send it to uh, this and that customer and uh, we do so so um, yeah uh, that's also the service Pretty much fulfillment is like the the most hair loss inducing and kind of depression inducing process that I've ever heard any Kickstarter manager talk about it's just like this is this is the most horrible part of the entire campaign. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's distro and fulfillment, yeah. distro and yes. fulfillment all the time. And it, so then, if you can help anybody with that, I think mm -hmm. they need to give you a call. They're looking we to are, get. We are happy to, to do you, so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. You're sure. better than medication. That's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a couple quick points from the feed. A lot of people talking on the feed. It's been great. Uh, they're really thankful that you guys are participating. Uh, and they just said things like, you know, hey, if Indiegogo would help market their campaign for them, they would consider Indiegogo. If Come Indiegogo would, um, you know, create like a newsletter, sort of what like what what you guys are doing, Sven, like a, a newsletter for your backer, not your backers, but people who are just in your service. Uh, yeah. If Indiegogo would do that for the board game section, then that might be worth it. Like an old school community newsletter, not a marketing email, like an actual newsletter. That might be mm -hmm. something that's worth it for Indiegogo to do. Okay. Um, other things, you know, they they want to make sure that uh, services are accurate, appreciated, and not unsubscribed from. So a lot of stuff they're they're looking cool. for good reporting. Um, responsive ratings from the service. So being able to track, um, um, you know, supporter data as well from the creator side, like interaction, uh, engagement from the backers, like how many people are backing, how many of them are talking, that kind of stats might be nice to know too. So there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, I think uh, John is going to give you an email, Nate. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think we're already tweeting at each other right now, so oh, good, we'll, good, we'll good. be talking. Yeah. Good. So before we go, because we've got about two minutes before Nate has yep. to jump, um, I'm going to ask uh, Nate first because he's got to go and then he can run. Cool. Thanks, uh, Nate, uh, give a new creator one reason to go to Indiegogo. Mm. Uh, I think exactly what Sen just mentioned that's hopping in the feed is, yes, we will market your campaign actively. I personally will make sure it will get marketed through, you know, whether it's paid money or through newsletters. I will be launching a creator's newsletter first to just talk to our creators and feature them and share tips and all of that. So let's make it a creator community first, and then we'll go after the consumers. On the consumer side, we do have newsletters that feature not only campaigns, but individual perks, which I think is really cool. So there's a perk newsletter that will just highlight one perk of a campaign. I think that's really neat, especially when you get like a dice tower with a billion things. Uh, and then we're here. There's someone to call in the deepest, darkest of nights when you are that terrified and worried that you had a negative day. Pick up the phone, call me, call John, 
and we'll talk you through what's going on. We'll give you our insights. We've been there. We've been down this road. So having someone who will treat you like a human, that's got to be worth a little something to you. But um, yeah, find me on Twitter, Nate C. Murray at, uh, or at Nate C. Murray, or just email me, Nate at Indiegogo.com. And we'll start the conversation, definitely. And I'm a, I'm a loose guy, so even if you don't end up coming to us, I'm still am happy to chat with you and meet you. I do game dev. I do all of it. So let's just talk. Yeah, man. Help, you know, help me make this a good platform that I think it should be. Cool. Awesome. So right, and, gonna, uh, I'm going to jump off, guys. I got a meeting. Sven, okay. I think we'll talk. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. We and Sven, I think we'll talk business um, one way or the other. And thank you, everyone, for the advice. We'll try and make it happen. Thank you. See you so let's let's put the question at Sven. What can you tell a first-time creator to go on your your platform? Well, easy. Ten words: full service, nearly no work, and get your game onto the German market. <laughs> I mean, that's that's it. That was that was yeah, pitch to me, right? And I said I am interested, except my publisher already does uh, EU. Uh, so most of the games that I publish. Are already EU friendly, uh, and they're already out there in German and whatnot. But uh, that's why Nate actually wants to talk to you, I believe, is because um, IDW has worldwide rights to a lot of things, yeah. uh, very interesting intellectual properties and whatnot. But they don't really have the the foothold in Europe like a couple other companies do. Uh, so I think that might be a nice match for you, Sven, which is good. Awesome. Great stuff, guys. Thanks for coming on, Thanks, Nate, for that a little early to get to his meeting. Thank you, Dylan, for being here and your mighty beard on Thursday, <laughs> best day of the week. It's all good. Uh, and uh, Sven, thank you very much for joining us as well. It's thanks probably for having close, me. It's, it's 10 o'clock your time, so thanks for staying late into the night for us. And hopefully this will drive some business not only to Indiegogo, but to the, the game company that I can't pronounce. It's translated to Game Forge. You, you see the little smithy uh, here behind me? Oh, that's, that's a game smith. <laughs> okay. Right. right. Ah, that was perfect. I'm getting it. It only takes me a few times. I'll get it. Um, and so everybody out there in uh, Maple Syrup land, if you're looking at localization into, or even just translation and that kind of stuff into Germany, get in touch with this guy, Sven. He is awesome. And um, how can they get in touch with you, bud? Uh, well, this would be my, my email, uh, the last name that you can't pronounce, so uh, G-O-E-H-L-I-C-H, Gölisch, uh, at happyshops.com. Happy, okay, so Happy Shops is that shop system that you guys have that you were talking about That's before. correct, yeah. So puzzles, right. games, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So exactly. uh, do you mind if I post your email on our, on our Facebook page? Definitely not. Okay, perfect. Feel free to do so. Okay, I will do so for you, sir. All right, thanks very much for getting in contact me with me many months ago, and thanks for coming on our show. Uh, thank you. It was big fun. Yeah, it was great. Dylan, we'll see you next week. Indeed. I don't, I don't know who the guests are going to be next week, uh, yeah. but uh, we'll talk to somebody cool. We yeah, always puppets, do. You know, we, we've done it before. Yeah. <laughs> you might be making a light, uh, shadow yeah, puppets. Shadow puppets, yeah. Yeah. All right, so on that note, uh, again, uh, technical stuff is running a little bit weird because Daryl's not here. I usually do it, and Daryl usually talks, so um, I didn't do it this week because I'm uh, lazy that way. So we'll see you later. Dylan will sing us a song. Ready? Go, Dylan. Go. Uh, la, 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 la.
okay, no, stop. it's right, not really no, working. Not really no. working. Okay, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> Thanks very much for having us into your internet home. Bye. 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 <laughs>